Welcome to our podcast, Hey David, where Grandpa Rod talks about life and attitudes, hope and success. Each week, he raises a new topic for David to consider. We hope it speaks to you too. We also hope you'll invite your friends to listen and that you'll share your comments with us. Here is Rod with today's topic. Hi, I'm Rod MacArthur, David's grandpa and narrator of the Hey David podcast. Thanks for listening. I want David to have the best grandfatherly counsel I can give. It could be that you'll gain some light pointers too. Welcome. Today, I'm going to talk with David about the power of peaceful protest. This in-your-face approach of our culture is divisive and ineffective. Dr. King showed us a better way. Hey, David, it's Grandpa. Violence. There's way too much violence. People in our society protesting violently rather than peacefully. Here's an excerpt from Dr. Martin Luther King's famous letter from Birmingham Jail, which he wrote in August of 1963. He was incarcerated for taking part in nonviolent demonstrations in Birmingham against the ugly and rampant segregation that then besmirched the South, but chiefly Birmingham. Let me emphasize, these were massive but nonviolent protests against the inequities perpetrated against black people, or as Dr. King referred to them, Negroes. Quote, In any nonviolent campaign, there are four basic steps. Collection of the facts to determine whether injustices are alive, negotiation, self-purification, and direct action. We have gone through all these steps in Birmingham. There can be no gainsaying of the fact that racial injustice engulfs this community. Birmingham is probably the most thoroughly segregated city in the United States. Its ugly record of police brutality is known in every section of this country. Its unjust treatment of Negroes in the courts is a notorious reality. There have been more unsolved bombings of Negro homes and churches in Birmingham than in any other city in this nation. These are the hard, brutal, and unbelievable facts. End quote. In his letter, King referred to being denied even a cup of coffee at the cafe. Then he lists other atrocities, including lynchings, drownings, rape, even murder. It was in this climate that Dr. King urged his people to protest, but nonviolently. Let the pathos of this next citation sink in. Quote, there is a more excellent way of love and nonviolent protest. I'm grateful to God that through the Negro Church, the dimension of nonviolence entered our struggle. If this philosophy had not emerged, I am convinced that by now many streets of the South would be flowing with floods of blood. End quote. Whatever happened to Martin Luther King's program of peaceful protest? I'll tell you what I think happened to it. It was swallowed up by a self-centered, me-first culture. It's easier to shout at your opponent than it is to calmly reason with him. David, I have never been part of a sit-in or a love-in, but I surely prefer either of them to a shout-at, shoot-at, and steal from, don't you? 
Two powerful forces can occupy the human heart. They are mutually exclusive. Only one can claim residence. The first is love. I don't mean mushy-gushy, ooey-gooey feelings of warmth and infatuation. That isn't love. That's some kind of attraction and infatuation over something I want for me. No, love is self-denying. Simply stated, love is the desire for the best interest of someone else, whoever is the object of your love. It's like what John said, quote, God so loved the world that he gave, end quote. That giving cost him a lot, but it is precisely what the ones he loved needed. Nothing less would work. So, the first great power that can inhabit the human heart is the power of love. It's amazing what can be accomplished when people sacrifice their own desires to promote the best interest of their culture and society, or even just another person. It's a powerful force. Our society is primed to be amazed. Hatred, on the other hand, is the other power that haunts the human heart. Hatred is a face that self-interest wears. When one is more concerned about his own well-being, or his desires, or his insistencies, those things that he insists must be done, then several unseemly and destructive actions open up to him. He will take whatever he wants without regard to how others feel. I've seen several videos of porch pirates stealing other people's packages right off their porches. You've probably seen them too. He might get irritated or even hostile if things in society, for example, are not the way he wants them to be. He may even adopt a victim mentality and use that to justify acting out by getting in the face of others. The unfortunate and unnecessary death of George Floyd in May of 2020 lit a fuse. The COVID pandemic was already fanning American sentiment into malcontent. The death of Floyd incited that malcontent to burst into rage, anger, destruction, mayhem, and murder. You may remember what Seattle looked like that summer, the summer of 2020. Over three months of insurrection, riot, vandalism, even murder rampaged in Seattle streets that summer. Seattle Mayor Jenny Durkin downplayed it initially by calling it the summer of love. What a misnomer. There was no love being displayed, only rage and selfishness. There was self-assertive aggression. There was in-your-face obstinance and violence. Shop owners dealt with graffiti, shattered windows, looting, and other incidents of vandalism. The police were forced to evacuate the area for fear of being murdered just because they wore blue. It was ugly. It was a blight and a stain on American history. It will not be well remembered, but it will be long remembered, and it didn't need to happen that way. Without question, the insurrectionists in the streets of Seattle, Portland, and many major cities across the nation had legitimate concerns. No one that I'm aware of questions that. What is questioned, however, is the methodology of expressing those concerns. Dr. King would roll over in his grave if he had witnessed what we witnessed that summer. Yes, there were 
and still are legitimate concerns. But looking back, we question, deeply question, the effectiveness of the approach. David, I guess what I'm really trying to say is that there are effective ways to protest, or there are destructive and harmful ways to protest. There is so much to say about what was wrong with that summer that narrowing it down to the few essential thoughts I want to leave with you is challenging. I don't want to go off on rabbit trails. I want to stay with the heart of the investigation. I want to look at the human heart as it protests inequities. I do not deny the inequities. We're human. We're bound to experience unfairness. But how should we deal with our miscontent or our malcontent? We're calling the methodology on the carpet. It was the wrong approach. It is not the way one human treats another human. It is not the face of love or concern or compassion or conciliation. It was the face of hatred. It was the face of, I want things my way. It was the face of mayhem and malice and murder. That's where I want to direct your attention. You see, there will be incidents, events, or situations in your life that you will consider wrong. Do you think the boss has treated you unfairly? Do you think the government is too heavy-handed? I know that the vaccination question divided America. There was a heavy-handed approach, and in retrospect, it was the wrong approach. There will be situations that you emphatically oppose as wrong, as inequitable, as unjust, or even as unkind. Those inequities will happen. We are flawed and we make mistakes. It's when and how we address those mistakes that demands our attention. What does my heart look like as I am addressing the thing I oppose? How do I treat people who stand on the other side of my conclusions? How do I treat those who disagree with me or who have harmed me? What kind of protest am I willing to launch against those things? You're not talking about passively sitting by and letting injustice prevail. That itself would be unjust. I must stand for what I stand for. And so must you. But we have to stand in a way that treats people with dignity and respect, even or especially when we disagree with them. That's what we did not see in Jenny Durkin's Summer of Love, and that's a shame. Look what it did to America. Consider the financial loss. Consider the division it promoted. Ask yourself, what will it take to heal the schism in American society? I wonder how many innocent bystanders, entrepreneurs, lost their livelihood because they were caught in the wake of someone else's hatred and aggressive self-assertion. That's just wrong. There's no way to justify that. It didn't have to happen that way. We cannot change what happened, but we can change the attitudes that made it happen. It starts with me. Am I treating people with respect and dignity? I read a quote by someone named Terry Pratchett. It goes like this, quote, Evil begins when you begin to treat people like things, end quote. When the mobs that thronged the streets of Seattle and those other cities lost sight of the fact that their actions were harming other people, people who had nothing to do with their grievance. When they lost sight of that, their protest showed that it was an evil uprising. 
I know that emotions ran high that summer. I also know that the noblest part of being human is the ability to control my actions when I am driven by emotion. David, I think that this is the piece that I'm trying to say. I'm not asking you to go through life emotionless. I hope you care deeply about things, about people, about ideas, and about freedom. I hope you care deeply and passionately about living a high-quality life. I want you to have those emotions, but I also want you to love people as a priority so that you can control those emotions and do no harm. It's easy to run wild with emotions, to go with the flow, as it were. It takes discipline of mind, of emotion, and of body to discover effective ways to make your grievances known. To take shortcuts like the mobs in the streets did in the insurrection in Seattle leads to ungodly actions. It takes an investment of thought, of research perhaps, and of consultation. It takes effort to effectively protest those things that you deem protestable. David, do not let yourself take the shortcut. Do not let yourself run on emotion only. Pause so that you can plan wisely how to address your concerns. Don't sit back and wish it were different. Get involved, but do so with wisdom and understanding, and most of all, with love. You're going to find there are things you wish were different. Go for them. Make a difference. Make them different but do so with the kindness and grace and love that you have in your heart. I love you, David. Thanks for listening. If you got something worth holding on to from this blurb, come back next Monday. Next week, I want to talk with David about cruising through life effectively by setting and pursuing goals. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Hey David. If you have thoughts, comments, or questions, please send them to rod underscore MacArthur at comcast.net. Rod will get back to you. Also, check out the church's website, www.churchofauburnwa.com. You'll discover a ton of information. You may especially enjoy the page Blurbs from Rod. Until Until next Monday, Monday, have have a a joy-filled week. week.